Hi everyone, I'm Jason Scorse and welcome to another episode of Dispatch from the Zombie Apocalypse. Hope everybody is doing great. So today's episode is on why medical reform is so important to progressives. And I want to start this by saying, you know, I won't call the U.S. medical system a healthcare system because it is not. When we say healthcare reform, healthcare system, we are giving the system credit for something it does not deserve. The current U.S. medical system is a for-profit disease management system that has you know, layer upon layer of terrible incentives to deprioritize health. In many ways, you know, saying that we have a medical system is too mild a description, since so many people get treated so poorly and the system is so rife with malpractice, poor care, and financial ruin for millions of Americans. The system as we have it is clearly designed not to prioritize preventative care or healthy living more broadly. And I'll return to that theme in a little while. But first, you know, I recently had some direct experience with the medical system as I had major surgery um, in April. And, you know, I had some of the best medical practitioners in the country. And I am thankful that the surgery was successful in its chief goal. But that being said, even with the best medical system, very good insurance, and, and an ultimately successful surgery, I still experienced you know, tremendous problems from you know, sloppiness to medical error to complete lack of transparency and information. And I can say with pretty heavy certainty that I suffered a lot over many weeks that I didn't have to because of a system that's just, again, not designed for my health care, but to manage disease and to kind of, you know, manage it as quickly as possible and send you on your way. Now, again, I'm fortunate that I didn't have to spend a lot of money out of pocket, but I just want to say the experience was quite challenging and, um, you know, and humbling. And this is for someone who, you know, I'm in reasonably good shape and reasonably young. I'm also a strong advocate for myself. Uh, you know, I'm quite forceful and, you know, trying to get what I want. But even I wasn't quite up to the task. I really wasn't prepared for the multiple layers of sloppiness and lack of information and lack of preparation in the system. And, uh, and, you know, and I suffered for it, literally, you know, I had some pretty rough weeks there. Um, but this has reminded me, you know, this experience of the last couple months, I, you know, have really face to face with the problems in our medical system. It's reminded me of why progressives and, and the left and Democrats focus so much on health care, right? Under the best of circumstances, like I just experienced, the system is deeply flawed, and for those who are unlucky, you know, without good insurance or access to medical care, uh, they're simply, you know, 
they're, you know, they can be dealt really harsh decks and, uh, you know, the system can be all-consuming and even deadly for many Americans. Now, there is almost no one in this country who hasn't been touched by the medical system in profound ways, right? This is whether personally or through a friend or relative. And a huge proportion of these experiences are just simply not pleasant. You know, again, um, I want to be clear that this is not the fault of individuals, but of the entire system and this system of bad incentives. There are plenty of good doctors in the country, but they are embedded in a system that perverts incentives and doesn't prioritize true health care. You know, we have outrageous examples, you know, of a system that pushed opioids onto millions of people and killed hundreds of thousands of them. But then we have much more prosaic examples of just the millions who are, you know, strung out on expensive, you know, heart drugs and cholesterol drugs instead of being given assistance to alter their lifestyles and and deal with this in much healthier ways. But of course, that you know doesn't make the drug companies as much money, and hence that's why it doesn't happen. Now, Joan, just before ending this segment, you know we Americans pay more for all forms of medical care than everyone else in the world, and consistently receive worse outcomes. So, in the you know of the wealthy countries, by almost all metrics, we have the worst healthcare system in the world, and this is why progressives focus so much energy on this issue. It's at the heart of so many inequities in our system. It takes such such a great portion of our economy. And all that money could be used for other priorities. And so that's why I think health, you know, the health system, the medical system um, takes up so much uh, energy on the progressive side. So after the break, I'll talk about my three key priorities for reform many of which the Democrats are on, but, but not, not, not all. So more after the break. They said it wasn't a gateway drug. My homie was taking subs and he ain't wake up the whole while. These billionaires, they kicked up, paying off Congress. So we take their drugs, murderers, who will never face the judge. And we dance into a song about a face gone numb. But I seen homies turn gray, noses draining blood. I could have been gone, our 30s faded in that tub. That's Prince, Michael and Whitney, that's Amy Ledger and Pimp C. That's Yams, that's DJ AM. Goddamn, they're making the killing. Now it's getting the tension. Cause Sarah, Katie, and Billy But this shit's been going on From Seattle out to South Philly It just moved about the city And it spread out to the burbs Now it's everybody's problem Got a nation on the verge Take activists off the market Jack the price up on the syrup But Purdue Pharma's about to move that work My drug dealer was a doctor Doctor had the plug from Big Pharma, Pharma. Okay, so let's talk about reform there are three big reforms of the medical system that would do the most to change the current system into a true healthcare system. The first is moving towards some form of single-payer system for all, whether it's Medicare or something like it. And the reason that this is necessary is that once the government assumes the responsibility for all healthcare costs, it makes it in the government's interest for people to be healthy. And this is a point that many people don't quite get. It's not obvious, you know, at first glance. But, but if you think about it, right, this is the beginning step for ending the disease management system and promoting true wellness, right? 
So countries with some type of single-payer system tend to have stronger laws against toxic pollution, against cigarettes, against, you know, drug abuse, again, the hard drug abuse, not, you know, cannabis, etc. And they have much more emphasis on preventative care. And this isn't an accident, right? Because again, once the incentives are aligned that the government has to pay for health care, then it's in the government's incentive to say, all right, I should want my citizenry to be healthier in order to decrease those costs. And it can be for totally selfish reasons. It, it might not be because we want to use that money for education or childcare. It might just you want to be at a lower tax cuts, you know, taxes for the rich and lower taxes for corporations. The way to do that, though, is to keep health care costs in line. The way to do that is to have healthy people. Now, of course, this alone isn't sufficient, right? Um, so there's other two key reforms that I think are absolutely critical. The first is allowing the government to negotiate with the private sector over prices, right? And this is, of course, much easier when the government is the single um, purchaser, right? It gives the government tremendous amount of power to control costs and lower costs because they have the bargaining power. So what single payer does is not only change the incentive, but it changes the power balance and it puts the power on the public and not away from the private sector. And this will lead to much lower services costs, everything from, you know, from emergency care to drug prices, etc. The third piece here is that government should invest directly in lots of pharmaceutical and health research and development, innovation and technology. And then when these this research is accomplished on the government dime, make the results part of the public domain, freely accessible to everyone. What would this do? This would end the era of sky-high drug and treatment costs. It would also lead to much greater levels of innovation because nobody would have monopoly patent rights on all these new innovations. And they would be able to be competitively produced and marketed at very low cost. In addition, the R&D would be free for everyone and accessible on the internet. Just put it out there open source so that people could build on it and make even better drugs, better treatments. So, you know, this is the opposite of the current system, which is patents for medicine, right? Which is really one of the worst capitalist inventions ever, right? They do the exact opposite of what they purport to do. Right. So people who are in favor of patents typically say, well, if you don't give, you know, drug companies a patent, why are they going to put the hundreds of millions, the billions into R&D if they can't recoup it? Right. If, if they they discover the drug and then it's part of the public domain, others can produce it cheaply. They can't recoup their costs. The reality is patents stifle innovation, raise costs and lead to even greater medical inequity. Right. And why is this? Right. Well, the reality is most drug companies spend most of their money on advertising. They spend more on advertising than on R&D. So what this shows is that they're using the patent to charge very high prices and then advertising to push the drugs on people to make maximum profits. And oftentimes when these patents end, they get extensions. So the typical length is 14 years, but they get many years extension. Right. We can see this, um, you know, with. COVID research, right? The government paid for most of the COVID research, but then the private companies are making huge profits on the government investment. 
And so my, my point here is that the government should circumvent it. We should pay people to do the research, and then we own the research. Right now, it's the worst of both. We're paying for a lot of research, and then private companies own it and get the profit off of it by charging high prices. And it really makes no sense whatsoever. Now, progressives are really solid on point one on the single payer. Not all of them are, but because of Bernie going for the Medicare for all, which is a single payer, the progressives are more and more pointing in that direction. They're also pretty solid on number two because progressives want to allow the government to negotiate with, you know, for drug prices and medical costs. They, they understand the power of the public sector to negotiate. Progressives have been a little slower to embrace my third you know, reform idea about uh, direct government R&D efforts for, for medical technology. I think they're generally favorable, but you don't hear them talk about it as much. And this is unfortunate because I think, especially with the COVID pandemic, there's been real you know, educational opportunity, a learning, teaching moment to say, hey, if the government's paying for research, shouldn't the government and the public get the benefits of that research and not give it to private sectors, uh, to the private sector? Now, you know, of course, healthcare is going to continue to dominate many political discussions. You know, almost every election cycle, it's going to be a top issue because of its central role in both the economy and just people's everyday lives. The right wing's ideas range from horrible to inhumane, but fortunately, progressives have been largely on point and really kept the right wing on the defense. And this is a rare case, right? It's often that the right wing is on offense and liberals on defense, but on healthcare, we've been pretty good at being on offense and then they basically had to lie about how they're gonna protect pre-existing conditions and bring down costs, again, which are all complete and utter lies, which is part of why they haven't been able to really do any um, reform on, on the medical system um, in many, many, many years since really um, the first Bush administration. So, of course, the key is getting the political will to enact these bold changes, um, all of which would be much more consequential to Obamacare um, than Obamacare. And so we're going to have to see what the Biden administration does and see what the, you know, what the Democrats do with their power. Right now, it seems like a lot is on kind of infrastructure and climate change and, you know, um, you know child care and tax credits you know, and those are incredibly important. But I'm sure there will be a pivot back to healthcare, and it'll be really interesting to see where that goes. And I will definitely keep you all posted on on that and my thoughts on how that's going. Um, after the break, I'll come back uh, with the antidote. Do you think we can make a better video than these guys? Yeah! Yeah! Why don't we take their cameras and make our own Bonzo Okay, so for the antidote today, I'm going to, you know, state what's kind of obvious here, but that even with the best medical system in the world, there are so many powerful incentives that it would be hard for even that one to be that trustworthy. So we have something very, very far from the best medical system in the world, 
But the point here is that even if we moved in that direction pretty strongly, you know, there's just so many actors and so many incentives that don't necessarily align with what's best for you. And what this means is that taking control of your health to the extent that you can, because again, a lot of it is genetic and a lot of it's beyond our control, but to the extent that you can, it's one of the best investments you're ever going to make over the course of your life, right? In many ways, staying away from doctors and hospitals, not if you need it, you know, not if you have some care that you need, but just having a lifestyle that makes it so that you don't have to go to the hospital often, that you don't have to go to doctors often, may be the greatest key to a long and healthy life. And so for summer 2021, I'm recommending that you choose one concrete thing that you can do to improve your health. Eat more greens, exercise more, sleep more, meditate, whatever it is, choose one and make that your goal for summer 2021. This summer, my goal on that score is to get in the ocean more. This will both increase my my cardio and also just being in the ocean. The nature is so calming that it's, you know, a great meditation in itself. So with that, everybody, I hope you're enjoying the show. If you are, uh, please share it with family, friends, and colleagues. Rate it. Subscribe on Apple, iTunes, Stitcher, and Spotify. And with that, everybody... Have a great rest of the week. And again, I hope your summer is happy and healthy. Take care.